Hey, welcome to episode number 23 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, today I'm here with Dr. Will Cole. He is a functional medicine expert that offers a more natural and holistic approach to health, which I'm all about. He writes for big publications like Goop and Mind Body Green, and he's also the author of his new book, Ketotarian. Hi, Will. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, I actually bought your book about a month ago when it came out, and I read it all in like two days, and I had to message you to have you on the podcast because you really talk about some important stuff. And this is kind of like the new revolution um, for health, I, I think, in my opinion. Thanks so much. Yeah, my goal with Ketotarian was really to bring seemingly polar opposite camps within wellness and food and kind of let's not have either or let's find out how really to have the amalgamation of of being being a fat burner and getting the amazing clinical uh, benefits the health benefits of being in ketosis but still not fearing plant foods and being plant centric so that's really the heart of ketotarian of really loving your body to enough to nourish it with good foods and I think that's the message that really resonates with a lot of people because there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of tribalism uh, in the world, let alone in the world of wellness and food, which is just silly because it really should be the antithesis of what we're talking about here because stress and toxic relationships we have uh, with other people and food really should be anathema to, to wellness. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually what attracted me to buying your book is because I've been kind of doing a higher fat diet for about six months now, and I'm really, really into health. And, you know, I used to be vegan as well, and I really am on a mission to find what works best for my body. And I caught myself going on YouTube and searching like vegan versus paleo, vegan versus keto, and like trying to figure out actually what is right because there are so many um, quote benefits for both of them. And then there are also some disadvantages for both of them. So I love how you really simply kind of wrote out the benefit benefits of keto and then the benefits of doing a more plant-based diet in the book. And you've kind of merged them into this like beautiful diet that I feel could literally work for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's real food. It's nothing extreme. I, I think that, um, it's it's just makes sound sense for anybody to eat until you're satiated, to eat when you're hungry, to focus on these nutrient-dense healing foods. Uh, this is not uh, crazy extreme fad dieting. Um, and I, I, I think that uh, I'm really excited now that people can see the book and read the book and use the recipes and versus it just being in my head and on my computer. <laughs> yeah, and it's a gorgeous book. I'm looking at it right now. It's like so attractive. Like it's the kind of book you want to buy. It's so clean and modern looking and like really easy to understand. So congratulations. I'm so like happy that I found this book and that I found your work because, you know, it just makes so much sense. It's exactly what I was looking for, literally. Thank you. Great. So, um I want to know about your story. I want to know about how you got to where you are today. I want to know about your experience um, doing veganism. Like I remember I listened to a podcast that you were interviewed in and you mentioned that you were 
vegan, raw vegan, was it? Yeah, I did a lot of raw vegan uh, foods for a while, but I was more, I would say, a whole foods vegan uh, with a lot of raw vegan foods in there uh, for a lot of years, from my late teens until my late 20s. I ate that way uh, with a few exceptions here and there. But for the most part, that was my life. And I was doing it with good intentions. And um, I educated myself on factory farming and the food industry and all that stuff that is full on a reality and something I think people should educate themselves on. But I think my good intentions, it, it ultimately wasn't ideal long-term for me. It was better than the standard American diet, but it wasn't optimal. Just because something's better doesn't make it optimal. And I think when you're looking at any way of eating, when you're talking about real food or someone's trying to make healthy choices in their life, it has to not only make sense logically, but it has to make sense with your biochemistry. And if, if ultimately you're seeing okay, I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel or I'm having these symptoms or these labs are not looking the way that I want them to look. You're going to have to start to, to take an inventory in, in your life to say, okay, what is not optimal here? What, how can I eat in alignment with my biochemistry and optimal health? And that, is, that does vary from person to person. And myself, I have autoimmune conditions on both sides of my family and uh, certain genetic mutations like the MTHFR mutation. These are like genetic um, polymorphisms, mutations that um, make it make our bodies not so good at doing certain processes in, in in our body. So certain detoxification pathways, certain conversion of certain vitamins, um, where I needed to shift more of this ketotarian way of eating. I still didn't abandon my approach. I still was plan centric, but there's definitely some uh, there was an evolution in my foods. And I think that can be said for a lot of people that are in their health journey. They do they, the best they can with the information that they have. And when you learn more and you know better, you do better, hopefully. Uh, that's the goal, at least. And I think that that was, for me, the case. I, I had to evolve into this ketotarian way of eating. I didn't call it that, but it was focusing on healthy fats, was limiting uh, carbohydrates, uh, but still being plant-centric. And that's really of the heart of ketotarian. It's this alchemy between the best of being plant-based and the best of being a fat burner and getting our energy from healthy fats, uh, which is good for the brain and good for our hormones, good for our immune system, good at calming inflammation levels, and then leaning into uh, into nutritional ketosis or keto, what everybody is talking about uh, online now and in you know the bookstores, is that this this metabolic state of ketosis is wonderful as far as driving inflammation levels down, taking your health to the next level of of shifting your body from being a sugar burner to a fat burner, which most people in the West, whether you're talking about the plant-based world or just the standard Western world uh, or the real food, the paleo world too, most people are in varying forms of being a sugar burner. And I think that that's one way to use food to your advantage to shift your metabolism to being a fat burner, which isn't just about losing weight. It's also about lowering inflammation levels down and, and being great fuel for your brain. So this is a great way to lower brain fog and lower fatigue and to actually increase mitochondria uh, biogenesis or making making new mitochondria. 
all of this stuff that I'm like throwing out here, this is the benefits of eating ketotarian. And I really wanted to not only do it my, for myself and my patients, but also share it with, with people that I would never meet in person. Absolutely. And it just makes so much sense. I've felt so incredible since doing a higher fat diet. And, you know, it just, it feels right in my body. And I've done a lot of like, you know, what I eat in a day videos for my followers. And I do openly talk about the fact that I mainly do keto, but I do feel like sometimes it has such a negative connotation to it, the word keto, because a lot of people think that it means you can just eat you know, factory farmed meat and a lot of dairy and all that bad stuff. When at the end of the day, being in ketosis is just like, like you said, a metabolic state. And you can do that by eating really crappy and processed foods, but also you can do it in a healthier way by, you know, really adding a lot of veggies and really healthy fats. What do you say to people that, that tell you, oh, keto is a bad way of eating? Do you have like a big rebuttal to that? Because I feel like a lot of people see it in a negative light. Yeah, so I do. I, I think that there's two different components to that judgment of keto is bad or not good, you know, for someone to do. I think they're saying two things in that statement. They're saying one, the way that they are seeing the ketogenic diet, diet done uh, is bad. Uh, and I would agree with them. I think long term, uh, eating the way that most people are posting pictures of hashtag keto or ketogenic diet isn't ideal for long-term wellness. I obviously, I think it's better than the standard American diet in the sense of they're removing carb, junk food, and sugars and refined junk. But the uh, again, back to my point about the traditional uh, vegan and vegetarian diet. Just because something's better doesn't make it optimal. Uh, and long-term, what happens is a lot of people in the ketogenic diet done in the way that you see online they'll hit a plateau or it's not sustainable as far as a lifestyle. It's the initial benefits, this honeymoon period with the conventional ketogenic diet. And then ultimately speaking, there comes some potential pitfalls when you're overconsumed with that sort of way of thinking. One, it starts to breed this thought of, I can't have vegetables because it's going to lower my ketosis or kick me out of ketosis. Uh, and then number two, uh, they'll eat uh, anything as long as it's high fat, low carb. If it fits this macronutrient ratio, they'll have it. So that allows for a lot of bad fats just because it's high fat and low carb. The, it, it allows them to eat a lot of artificial sweeteners and diet drinks because it's low carb. And that's not wellness. That's coming from the dieting weight loss world, which really isn't my ethos. It's not my goal here. I want somebody to get healthy so they can lose weight, not lose weight to get healthy. And I think that weight loss, if that's a goal for somebody, should be a natural byproduct of radiant wellness. So that's ultimately um, what ketotarian is. It's focusing on just getting healthy, and then you'll see the benefits of that as a result of your wellness. The um, So I don't disagree with their their critique on the conventional keto diet because people are just having tons of dairy and cheeses and uh, meats, which again, you can get good, good quality uh, versions of those foods. But if that's all you're eating, I think there's going to be a problem uh, long term with that. Short term, fine. Like just the carnivore diet, good example. Short term, fine. Like that can be the ultimate elimination diet because you're eating one type of food. But long term, is are most people going to do that? 
Well, no, the most people aren't going to do that. And they are going to have to have variety in their life. And and not to even mention the impact, the fiber from plant foods feeds a healthy microbiome and it's fantastic for our health. And uh, I can go on and on about the benefits of eating plant foods. But um, the point is ketotarian is meant to be long-term and sustainable, not just another fad diet to do. Um, the second kind of loaded maybe connotation or, or implication of what people are saying when they're judging the ketogenic diet is that they don't feel like uh, ketosis is a healthy state to be in. Uh, and at that point, they're either getting confused with ketoacidosis, of which ketogenic diet is not about, or they aren't just, they're, I, I assume that they're not really educated on what we're talking about. They're equating ketoacidosis, which is a dangerous metabolic state that it's not nutritional ketosis. Uh, they're equating it with nutritional ketosis, which is not the same thing. It's a metabolic state. Your body naturally does it. It's healthy. It has a lot of clinical benefits. Look at, look at PubMed. There's lots of studies done on it. Uh, it is not the same as ketoacidosis. So they may just be confused because the word is similar. Um, I think that's, that's a common mistake. And even if they do understand what nutritional ketosis is, this healthy fat burning state, their argument is, well, you shouldn't, why, you shouldn't be in it long term. And uh, I, they're not advocates for people being in it long term. And again, I, as a functional medicine practitioner, I agree with that. I don't think that everybody has to be in ketosis forever and ever. Uh, and that's why in Ketotarian, I teach them, teach people how to personalize it. They can do a cyclic ketotarian approach where maybe four or five days they're eating uh, ketogenic and then the other remaining days in the week they're moderating their carbs with real food carbohydrates. Or sometimes people do a seasonal ketotarian where in the summer they'll eat more fresh fruits and then in the winter they'll just naturally be more uh, in ketosis. And that's a lot of, of what our ancestors would have done. So that's one way to be more in alignment with your biochemistry. Um, and then some people do great with longer term ketosis, uh, people with insulin resistance, people with weight loss resistance, people with autoimmune inflammatory problems and people with brain issues, uh, tend to do better with longer terms of ketosis. So I just think people that make a judgment call on the ketogenic diet aren't really, they're making broad sweeping statements, which really doesn't do us any good. And I think that you have to really know what you're talking about and the nuance of this conversation before people and make blanket statements like that. Yeah, you're so right. Wow. I have so many questions for you. So what do you think about fruit? Can we just get into that? Because in the keto world, everyone's like, no fruit, except for some berries sometimes and all that jazz. And, you know, I'm so torn with this because it's such a natural food and I, I don't see it as a bad food and I never have my entire life. Obviously, overeating it might not be great, but what do you think about fruit? Uh, fruit is a fine food to have. It's, it's nature's candy in many ways. And it's not just candy. I don't want to relegate it to just candy. It's, it is a sweet treat for people to have. I don't think it should be the foundation of everybody's meal. With that said, we're all different. We all have different uh, sensitivities to fructose, which is fruit sugar. We all have different sensitivities to sugar. Um, some people have a great, they have, um, they are not sensitive to it at all. They have a, they have a big tolerance for sugars uh, and if they're from real foods. And they could eat fruit all day long and they're fine. Uh, those people uh, uh, are 
fine to have fruit more often. Um, but there are a lot of people where you will see having a lot of fruit in their diet will impact their insulin levels, will impact uh, their inflammation levels, will impact their digestion. Uh, those people um, are, I would recommend not having that in high amounts. So this is about really eating, eating in alignment with your genetics, your biochemistry, your what, where do you feel the best on? Um, so I'm not against fruit. Uh, in ketotarian, we allow the low fructose fruits like berries and citrus and obviously avocado, which is technically a fruit. So you can have like fruits, you can have sweet fruits in ketotarian. It's just not the foundation of your meal. It's just uh, more used more sparingly. But with that said, in ketotarian, I say go eight weeks plant-based keto, get the benefits of being in ketosis, becoming a fat burner, lowering inflammation, boosting your brain, calming cravings. And then from there, you can go and do that cyclic, uh, like a cycle in and out of ketosis. And then the cycle days, like the three or four days, you can have more fruits if you want to. And then when you go back into ketosis, you'd have less of that. So I think there's a, definitely a room for it. And it's about, it's about where do you feel the best on? And that's where ketotarian really focuses on is not being dogmatic, not shaming people, not making blanket statements about foods, but saying, okay, let's shift your body uh, into ketosis. Let's get metabolic flexibility. And then from there, let's see where you feel the best on. Where do you have the most energy? Where do you feel the best? Where do you, where do you feel your most optimal? And, and that, that's where you can play around with these foods like fruit, like other carbohydrates, like healthy fats, um, like fasting, where you really can see where you have your carb sweet spot, so to speak. Yeah. And I think for me, especially, I've just learned how to listen to my body more. And since I've been um, adapting a higher fat, more keto, more plant-based diet, I feel like it's actually made me a lot more in tune with my body. And like I was just telling you before we started recording, I'm a bit sick right now. You guys can maybe hear it from my voice, but I'm, I'm kind of under the weather. Um, and I haven't been sick in like years. So this is kind of new for me. And I think it's because I caught something at the airport, but um, yeah, so I had organic uh, oranges and grapefruit slices this morning. And just because my body was really craving that vitamin C, and I don't usually eat citrus fruits except for lemon or lime, but I just was craving it. And then like I ate it and I stopped when I didn't feel like I needed it anymore. And I just like, I feel great right now. And I think, you know, if I feel like eating a sweet potato, I will. And I think that cyclical ketosis thing you were talking about really has worked for me as well. Um, when I first started doing keto, I was actually tracking and I was pretty intense about it. And I felt really great. And I lost like five pounds in two weeks and I felt really, really good. But then I kind of felt like it was just a little bit unrealistic for me to be tracking and stuff. So I just started being more in tune and just eating real food and kind of basing my meals around real food and like quality and only eating meat if it's really high quality, um, you know, wild fish or organic chicken. Um, I haven't had red meat in a while, actually, just because I used to be vegan vegetarian. And I think I haven't really brought myself to it yet. But what do you think about red meat? Well, so um, in ketotarian, it is uh, there's vegan keto, vegetarian keto, and pescatarian keto, and that's like the most meat that's in uh, ketotarian. It's wild caught fish and shellfish, but you can be completely vegan or vegetarian keto in ketotarian. Um, 
after eight weeks of shifting your body into ketosis, being plant-based keto, but just like we talked about personalizing with carbs, you can also personalize with different meat and fat sources too. So I say, if you want to experiment with grass-fed beef, see how you feel, see if you thrive there. And some people need to from a uh, B vitamin standpoint and uh, iron standpoint, and you can get that from fish and obviously supplementation too. But it's a great food medicine for people. I wouldn't have it every day, all day. Uh, I don't think that it should be used in uh, high amounts for people. But I think it's a great food, and it shouldn't be feared. It's just like fruit to me. I, I it's one of those foods that for some people because of gut problems, uh, I see if people eat too much red meat, they have problem digesting it. And sometimes too much saturated fats, which shouldn't be feared, saturated fats are healthy and needed, but too much saturated fats for some people with gut problems and different genetic mutations like the APOE4 mutation and other uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms, these other gene mutations, they don't do well with a predominance like too much saturated fats. You'll see their um, inflammation levels come up, their labs won't look as good. So those people it doesn't mean you should be fearing fat or fearing saturated fat specifically or fearing red meat. It's just about what's in balance with my biochemistry. And that's the same with fruits, the same with anything under the sun. It's not a ma- about making black blanket statements against red meat, just like I'm not making a blanket statement about fruits. I just think, where what's the amount that your body does best on? And I think that that's fine. But look, I, the reason why I didn't put red meat in Ketotarian is A, it's a plant-based keto book, and B, I wanted to show people you don't have to eat it uh, and live a vibrant, healthy life uh, because they think that's the only way to be keto is to do it the conventional way. And I wanted to show that's not that doesn't have to be the case if you don't want it to be the case. And there's a lot of people that don't prefer eating a lot of meat. They just don't feel great. They Maybe it's just a more of less like a preference thing. They just don't really enjoy eating it. Um, and, and I think a lot of people like yourself and, and myself, where maybe their their inclination is not to focus so much on it, then uh, I wanted to give people another option and be more plan centric, but not, you know, lose out and all the cool health benefits of, of being a keto adapted. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Was it hard for you to start eating um, meat again after being vegan? How long were you vegan for again? 10 years. Yeah, 10, ten years. Wow. So was yeah. it difficult at all? It was, it was, it, and still is not come naturally to me. Like I, and I, I say this in ketotarian, I, when I want to have a grass fed burger, I'll have a grass fed burger and I'll just have it on lettuce. And it's still very plant centric. Um, but I'm using meat as almost like um, a side, a condiment. It's not like the predominance of my meal. Um, so it's still plant centric, even when I have grass fed beef. And, and that's this grace based lightness approach to wellness that I wanted to be infused in ketotarian is not to be overly dogmatic. So if you want to have it, have it intuitively. But um, I think that beyond that, I'll tell you that I don't, eating meat doesn't come naturally uh, to me. So I'll have grass-fed burger. That's really the, the extent of meat in my life. Everything else I have to tolerate. Uh, it's, it doesn't come naturally to me because it's just kind of um, not my thing. Totally. Do you eat chicken or turkey? Obviously, in the book, there's a lot of egg recipes, um, organic eggs. Um, do you eat any of that, the chicken and turkey? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not ketotarian, but 
occasionally I'll have it. It's I can't even think of the last time I've had it, but it's it's not common for me to have it. But um, I'm not opposed to it if somebody wants to eat that. Got it. And you do have eggs kind of often. Yeah. So for, for myself personally, I eat eggs. Yeah. So um, eggs are one of those foods that is a really good nutrient dense foods. I think it's great. And that's why a ketotarian, that play on words, that vegetarian ketogenic kind of fusion, um, I wanted, that's a great keto vegetarian food, eggs are. And it's one that I, I love greatly. But there's some people that don't do great on lots of eggs. And there's some people that, again, don't want to eat it and they want to be completely keto vegan. And I also wanted them to have a lot of options if they just wanted to be completely plant-based keto. And out of the 81 recipes in Ketotarian, about half are keto vegan. So they can uh, completely have that. And I want anybody, whether they are vegetarian or pescatarian or just ketogenic, still to have the predominance of their meals being plant-based. So um, yeah, that's definitely... But from there, people can focus on these different food medicines. And I give the argument for the discussion at least, I'm opening the conversation to the bioavailability of certain nutrients like omega fats that are in fish, that are in eggs to say, okay, look, if your health isn't doing great, are you open to bringing in these foods in? Are you open to having pasture-raised organic eggs or ghee or um, wild-caught fish to use as food medicines? And I think some people will feel a lot better bringing some of these foods in uh, throughout their week. And I've seen that clinically over the past decade plus, but I've also now that the book's out, have been seeing hearing this on social media, people saying, I was a vegan and I started making the suggestions that you're making in the book and I'm feeling so great because they were, they were A, not fat adapted, but B, I think it's not just the fat adaptation here. It's also, also these food medicines in ketotarian that they were avoiding. Um, so most people want to feel great. And when you educate them on, okay, these are tools that can make people feel great, they will do it because they want to feel great. Uh, and that's really the, the reason why I wanted to put that in the book. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's say one of our listeners does keto, does a higher fat diet. What are some big no-nos? Like what are some typical keto foods that you really don't suggest eating? Um, keto foods that you, I don't suggest eating or, or any foods? Well, let's go for any. I would say this. I, I, in the section of what not to eat, I prefaced it with, ultimately, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> These are just the foods that are most likely going to be causing you, throwing you out of ketosis and limiting what your body can do metabolically. So I really wanted to frame it not like, okay, this is the diet and this is what you can and what you can't have. This is ultimately your decision, but this is about really, again, loving your body enough to nourish it with good foods. Let's focus on all the foods we can eat and let's reframe wellness and reframe food. Because I think there's a lot of food shame, especially amongst women uh, and uh, a lot of uh, dogma in that way. So let's undo that. But the foods that I would say is not in alignment with being a fat burner and lowering inflammation for these eight weeks of being... Um, uh, a ketotarian at least, I would say that you want to avoid processed foods and sugar. You want to avoid lots of fruit uh, and limit and low, go for lower fructose fruits like berries and citrus uh, fruits like grapefruit uh, and lemons and limes. And I would also avoid grains uh, because those are, I mean, there's, they're carbohydrates obviously, but then they also have lectins and phytates and 
proteins like gluten and other similar proteins in gluten-free grains. Um, and then for the sake of being plant-centric, we're avoiding red meat and any meat other than fish uh, during ketotarian. Uh, other than that, there's really, you can eat anything else. Uh, you can have really any vegetable under the sun. You can have, I mean, we're focusing on non-starchy vegetables, but you can have lots of different vegetables uh, because most vegetables are non-starchy other than potatoes. Um, uh, so you can have tons of different vegetables. You can have nuts and seeds. You can have avocados. You can have olives. You can have, uh, if you're a vegetarian, you can have eggs. You can have ghee. If you're pescatarian, you can have wild-caught fish or shellfish. So there's a lot of different foods uh, that people can focus on. What do you think about, um, you know, grass-fed dairy or dairy from grass-fed cows or sheep or goat? Yeah, so that's another thing. Food I should have mentioned, I guess, and what to uh, avoid during ketotarian would be dairy. It's completely dairy free. Um, most people have problems with dairy. Uh, most people that do have problems with dairy have a casein sensitivity or obviously lactose intolerance too. But sensitivity is different than an intolerance. Intolerance is like an enzyme deficiency typically where they're not breaking down, breaking down lactose, the milk sugar, so they need lactase to break it down. Sensitivities are not like a deficiency of an enzyme. It's an, it's an immune-mediated issue oftentimes. So it's this immune inflammatory response that's uh, something different. Uh, at that point, I would say that's why I allow ghee for the keto vegetarian options because it's grass-fed uh, clarified butter. So the casein is removed. So you have the benefits of the fat-soluble vitamins and the healthy fats in the grass-fed ghee, but the casein protein is removed. Um, milk, uh, is, I would say not a healthy food for most people, um, in excess. I think some people can enjoy it in smaller amounts. You can definitely gra get grass fed, full fat, healthy milk. And people can, some people can enjoy it. And it's one of those things that if you want to try it in after eight weeks, you can have it, but get the good kinds. And there's some great brands out there. Like, um, there's Maple Hill Creamery and there's, um, organic Valley. Uh, and I have no connection with these brands. I just know that they go to really great lengths to providing good quality grass fed, full fat milk. Uh, at that point, if somebody someone wants to have that and they don't have a dairy sensitivity, then enjoy it. Again, this is about loving your body enough to nourish it with good foods. I don't have a problem with dairy if you tolerate it. I think better than just having grass fed uh, milk would be looking at things like A2, uh, beta A2 casein, which is like a subfraction. It's a different type of casein. Uh, and it's the more original casein. And because of crossbreeding of cows and modern farming, most cows in the West are this beta A1 casein, which is typically the problem child. It's the beta A1. So if you get these A2 milks or A2 yogurts and cheeses, they tend to be better tolerated. So it's not so much the dairy in and of itself. It's more to do with what we've done to the cow and how we've treated the cow and all of this stuff that's come out of modern farming. Um, so what's the cow being fed and how they're treated, et cetera. If you get a good quality dairy, um, I think that can be fine for some people that do not have a dairy sensitivity. Um, I like fermented dairies more than just milk. So uh, cheeses and yogurts, I think are better tolerated. Again, me coming from more of a plant-based world, just my own preference, not anything else. I prefer coconut yogurts. I prefer coconut kefirs. I prefer um, 
all of these non-dairy uh, options because I just prefer it better. I, I like the idea of it better. I like the taste of it. Um, so that's my own personal preference. But like my daughter, for example, she's nine years old. She loves grass-fed yogurt. Uh, and, and I buy it for her. And I think that's great. But I, you definitely want to vet the source of the dairy that you're, um, you're buying. Yeah, absolutely. I personally haven't had milk in like probably 10 years too. And I'm 22. So I, I've really, from a young age, didn't really do dairy that much. Um, a little bit more recently, I don't really have that much dairy anymore. But um, a few weeks ago, I went through a phase of going to Whole Foods and getting like really good quality um, grass fed like butter or not uh, and butter, but uh, like cheddar and like good cheeses. And I felt like I was actually getting like addicted to it. <laughs> like cheese is such an addictive thing for me. So I kind of had to cut it out um, a few weeks ago and I feel so much better without it. Um, so yeah, but you know, you're right. If if people go through the keto Darian um, meal plan or a ketotarian meal plan and do it for a few months and then they like gradually bring in the dairy again, I'm sure they could tell. It's kind of like an elimination diet, right? They could tell if their body responds negatively to it after that time of, of cutting it out, right? Absolutely. Very well. Uh, good, very good point there. I, I think that when you are off of it for eight weeks and you bring it in, you're going to, most people will notice, hey, I don't feel as good on that. And I think that's definitely... A, a time to say, is this worth it for me? Do I really want to feel like this? If it's if it, if it is an issue, and then some people will bring it back in and they will feel fine and they will enjoy that. Um, so it's definitely not something that I think is bad for everybody, but uh, definitely I think that time without it will show if you have a sensitivity or an intolerance to it. Yeah, for sure. So a few more questions for you before you finish off. I really want to know. Um, if some of your clients have had like really incredible success stories and, you know, any kind of like big change you've seen in some of the clients that you've given this book to or told to do this type of diet, like, does it affect more than their weight and their body? Is it like relationships get better, skin gets better, mood gets better? Because I feel like food affects every single part of me. Um, so yeah, let me know if you if you've had any clients that have had massive changes and any everything else. Yeah. And I've, over the past decade, I've had the like humbling opportunity to be a part of so many, like thousands and thousands of patients' lives. Most of my patients are online. We predominantly have a virtual clinic. So about 90% of my patients are on via webcam consultations. So I get to talk to people all day long and hear these awesome stories of radiant health and getting healthy, just like you said, and using food as medicine, getting to the root cause. And that's what functional medicine is really all about. Um, but one lady that comes to mind, uh, she was an older lady. Uh, and the reason why I mention her is because she's actually not the majority of my patients in the sense of her age. Like most people are middle-aged to retired. Um, I don't have a ton of people in their 90s <laughs> coming into a functional medicine practitioner. But I mention her because she's the person that most people in the West are saying, well, you're just 80s or 90s. Like you should feel like that. You should feel really lousy and sick. Uh, and... The, the, but the reality is most, even people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s are told that too, well, you're just getting older. Just because something's common doesn't make it normal. And growing, feeling lousy 
at, at any age. Because I talk to many people in their 30s and 40s are told that too. They're told, well, it's just you're not you're not a teenager anymore. Um, and I don't think those people should be settling it for. But I mentioned this lady because uh, she's the person that people would just count out and just say, basically, just see you later, take these medications and basically settle for it. Um, she could barely talk, uh, whenever I met her, she almost had dementia type symptoms. She was overweight. She was on, um, lots of medications and we basically found out on, by running labs, we saw that her cholesterol was dangerously low, which is counter-cultural. Most people think there's no lim- low, le- low level limit to cholesterol levels, but your brain is 60% fat. Our brain makes up of 25% of all your body's cholesterol is in our brain. And she was eating this low fat diet on these cholesterol lowering drugs and she could barely talk. And um, it was almost like her story rung true to me because her husband of like however many years, like 70 years, um, wheeled her in. It was like this, almost this love story of this, this couple that this guy, they didn't want to give up on his wife. And, um, I, I I just their story resonated with me uh, a, on a major deep level, and uh, we got her super healthy. We got her doctor to reduce, get her off of those medications, and reduce other ones, um, uh, so her brain could start getting the nutrients that it needed. We started put it, feeding her a ketotarian diet. Her body started. Uh, being vibrant again. And the reason why I'm mentioning her is because of something she said to me. She said, I was planning my funeral arrangements when I met you. Now I'm planning vacations with my kids and my grandkids. And that to me is like says everything because we think of how many family members or friends that maybe they're not 90 or 80, but they're just not living a vibrant life. And they just settle for it because of whatever excuses they're telling themselves or that they're told from somebody else uh, is that ultimately a lot of times these chronic health problems that we face today in the West are not something you should settle for. They're things you can at least improve, but in a lot of cases you can overcome, you can reverse and, and, and move on with your life and live a vibrant, healthy life. So that is something that I take very seriously of being a part of someone's health journey in that way. And not just for people in their nineties and eighties, but for most of my patients are in their thirties. Uh, and they're realizing, look, what I'm told isn't cutting it. And I know this isn't normal for me to feel this way. And you have to do something different to see different results. And normally people's intuition, especially women's intuition is right. And they can start digging in with these functional medicine labs to find out what's making them feel the way that they do. Wow. What an inspiring story. That would be like the best thing ever to hear as a doctor. Like, yeah, I was planning my funeral and now I'm planning vacations. How amazing is that? Wow. And like, there's so many other stories like that, but hers just like resonated with me all these years later because it was just somebody that would have just normally just settled for it. But for some reason, whether it was her or husband or both of them, they didn't want to settle for it. Um, and I don't know where she's at today, but I, I spent about a year with her getting her healthy. Uh, and it was really cool to see the transformation. 
That's amazing. Seriously amazing. And I know personally, um, you know, my big changes other than my body since going a bit higher fat and just more whole food um, has been my mood swings. And like, I feel like my relationships are better too. I'm just more calm. And I feel like my mentality is just more clear. My brain fog is gone. Like I don't really even need caffeine anymore. It's crazy. Like I feel like it just affects every single part of my life and my skin as well. There's just nothing bad to say about eating a higher fat, more plant-based diet. Well, thank you so much. I agree. Uh, and like you said, like this is something that you have seen in your own life. It's not because some doctor's telling you or because you've read it in a book. You tried it. You may have read it in a book to start with or read it online. But ultimately, I think people, uh, hopefully this through this conversation, this is encouraging people to experiment for themselves and see how they feel. Um, and I, I think that, uh, it's going to change people's lives. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, I have one last question for you that I just thought of because I basically eat ketotarian most of the time. Um, maybe a little bit of organic chicken here and there, but mostly ketotarian. Um, and I don't eat any sweet stuff, obviously, but I do sometimes crave a little bit of sweetness. Like I'll have coconut yogurt with like a little bit of stevia in it. Or some like, you know, nuts and some paleo granola that has some stevia. Like, is that bad? I know stevia is not a real sweetener, but it's also like zero carbs or anything, right? Yeah. So uh, in Ketotarian, there, I, I talk about the Ketotarian approved sweeteners and stevia or stevia is one of them. It's from a plant. It's from a stevia plant. So having stevia, not a big deal. I, um... I, you want to get like the more of the natural, less refined, make sure there's no added junk to the stevia. But no, generally speaking, it's a good sweetener you can have. We're not having excess of it, just like you're not. You're just having a little bit when you want to treat, you want to sweeten it up. Uh, they can also sweeten it up with a monk fruit or they could sweeten it up with xylitol, a little bit of xylitol. So there are other options too. Um, but absolutely, you can have dessert. You can enjoy that. I do too. It's not something that you have to eat like you know a rabbit all day and never have anything sweet. There's a lot of really good desserts in Ketotarian where you can enjoy the yogurts, enjoy the, like you said, the nuts, the trail mixes or the spiced nuts or the sweetened nuts or um, pudding, like a chia seed pudding or fat bombs, which are like almost like ice cream. There's so many- Oh, things. I have those in my freezer. <laughs> There's so many dessert sweet treats you can have uh, and still be fat adapted. Great. That makes me so happy because I was worried. Um, I actually don't remember reading that part of the book, but I've just like skimmed through a lot of it. Um, I was worried because I love my stevia sometimes and I've heard from like different um, online articles and stuff like, oh, like just get your body off sugar completely. I know it's not real sugar, but just why are you even used to it anymore? Like you should just completely shock your body. And you know, I don't fully want to do that yet. So I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't think people should be fearful of that at all. Again, we're not saying have that at your only meal. <laughs> this is still uh, in context with, with good quality foods. Yeah. Okay, great. Oh my goodness. I'm so, so happy that I had you on the podcast. I feel like so many people are going to benefit from this and you guys should buy his book, Ketotarian. I got mine on Amazon and it was like just so informational. Like half of the book is literally just talking about this diet and the other half is recipes. It's not just a recipe book, which I was really pleased to find out because I always like to read about it. Um, 
But yeah, like I highly, highly recommend. And thank you so much, Will, for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye.